Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. It's been said before that we all have a relationship with food. So I ask, what is your relationship? How's it going? How are things between you and food? You guys been dating? You've been going out? (laughs) Kind of the same when you think about it. And there's a reason for that. And we're going to dig into that and so much more, even telling the difference between emotional eating, physical eating. She helps people identify that all the time and change their lives and their health. She is an amazing health coach. Debbie Ropo is back with us. Hi, Debbie. How are you? Hi, Steve. I'm wonderful. How are you? Very well, and we are picking up from where we left off last time we got together in talking about emotional eating, which I believe pretty much all of us do it at one point. We might not even know we're doing it, right? So true. You know, it's, emotions are, are sources of in, important information, and our emotions affect us in many ways and can influence our eating habits. And it's normal. So normal to comfort ourselves or to cope by grabbing some food. That's okay. It's when we repeatedly reach for food in response to an emotion is where we get into trouble. How do you know you're doing that? Right. So this is, I wanted to give you some great tips. Um, This, I, I think, is just a game changer. So we have emotional hunger and we have physical hunger. And a couple of ways to identify is, one is emotional hunger starts suddenly. Physical hunger arises gradually. Hmm. So imagine, and I've actually witnessed this. I've seen, I'm so pissed off, my God, I'm starving. Right? That's a start, a sudden I am hungry right now. It's now. And it was the anger that actually triggered the hunger, not the physical hunger. So that's one. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Keep going, because I have questions, but I want to hear all of these scenarios. Okay, here they go. Emotional, it feels insatiable. Like, you, there's just, you have to have the food. Physical hunger, you're able to stop eating when you're full. Emotional hunger wants instant gratification. Now, physical hunger can delay gratification if needed. Emotional hunger, craving for specific foods or food combinations. Physical hunger, you're, you're saved with a wide variety of foods. We're almost done here. Two more. Emotional hunger often is accompanied by feelings of guilt shame, or powerlessness, physical hunger lacks negative emotions. Emotional hunger, and it is response to the mind. Physical hunger is in response to the body. So emotional hunger, we're in disconnection. Physical hunger, we're in connection. And those are, those are the, the, the tips there. <laughs> is it also... When you are eating emotionally, you don't care. Like, you just keep going. Like, I'll just have some more. Uh, You know what? I'm going to eat that now. Uh, And you just keep going. Exactly. That's that feels you're insatiable. It doesn't matter insatiable. 
it doesn't matter how much you eat. You can eat the whole bag of chips and you're, you're not satisfied because it's an emotional need that you're trying to fill with a physical form. It'll never fill. It's like having a bucket with whole. It just it never will fill because that can't go in that bucket. It, mm. It's the emotion that has to be uh, looked at. Should you do something at that moment when you when you now that we're talking about it now that yes. there is an awareness to it? Is that at the point where you you know you, you need to stop and turn around and say, well, wait a minute, why why am I doing this? Why am I eating? Right. Right. One of the things I like to do is I like to be aware of, if you can look at your, let's just start with the negative stress cycle. So it starts with the negative stress cycle is, and it it, it, it literally maps out emotional eating cycle. So I'll just kind of work with both of them at the same time. You get a stress or a trigger. A negative emotion comes up, and remember that because of your perception, which is what I work with most with my clients. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's amazing how a negative emotion from one person and another person is not at all that. So then after we have this negative emotion, we have the maladaptive behavior or the eating behavior, right? And then we have unpleasant symptoms. And then we have negative emotion. Then we have the stress triggers. Then we have the negative emotion. Then we have the eating behavior. And then we, So it's this cycle that we kind of just kind of keep going through. So what we like to do is our number one is awareness. What do we do? I look first. Look at your trigger. Try to identify what is the trigger here, right? My partner forgot my birthday. My whatever. You want to identify your emotions. What was the behavior? What behavior did you do because of this emotion? What physical symptom did you feel? Right? So in this example, let's say my partner forgot my birthday again. Emotions, I'm angry and I'm resentful. My behavior, I said something mean to my partner. I found myself excessively cleaning to, to preoccupy my mind. Physical mm. symptoms, my stomach was a knot, I had immediate headaches, and I was breathing fast. My emotions and thoughts felt guilty for mean words, but I was still angry and frustrated. And then you ask yourself, you go through those four things, and then you ask yourself, was that helpful or harmful? And that's where we start to get that identification. So you really need that. to, you, you need to be in touch with yourself and be mindful. That's, but that's what I'm getting here. It really, really is. And, you know, when I first started working, I've, Gosh, I've been a coach, I guess, five years now, and it's just really this last year that I've just dived into this psychology of emotional eating, and it's changed the way I actually do my practice because it's been so powerful. You know, I can sit and talk to people about what to eat and what not to eat and, you know, stress management and, and movement and all of these wonderful health tools, which are all valuable. But if they're emotional readiness, their emotional ability, their emotional adaptability to life isn't up to par. I don't care how much broccoli you eat. I don't care if you're running a marathon. I don't care if you're doing all the right things. That's why you hear all the time, gosh, that guy was so healthy and he died of a heart attack, right? It's, it's vital. This emotional piece 
so crucial to hell. So you're saying if you don't have your life together emotionally, then again, who, which of us do 100 percent? Right. Right. Doesn't matter what's going on. You could be eating. You could even be eating super healthy. You're going to be missing the mark by far. Boy, Steve, you're so dead on it. And, and there's a, I don't have the exact details, but there's a story about a, a, a doctor who uh, was traveling through, I don't even remember the name of the town, but it ended up, he went through this town and he was at a bar and he was talking to the local doctor. The local doctor was telling him about this community that he works with, a small community. This was, I think, in the 50s, I think it was. And he says, nobody has heart disease. Nobody has cancer. He's like, it's like the freakish, I don't even know what's going on here. Hmm. Well, this doctor was, like, fascinated by this. So he brought a whole team in and started researching. He, he thought, you know, he thought genetics. He tested, but, you know, it wasn't that. They ate fried meatballs sometimes. They smoked tobacco sometimes. They had some wine. Some, it wasn't like their diet was some stellar, amazing thing. You know what they found? Just like we talked about in the Blue Zones and in our other podcasts, they had community. At night, they were, it was a mill community. At night, they would leave the doors open so anyone that was coming down, if somebody was sick or a neighbor needed something, there was this immense community. They all had a purpose. They had to help each other. They had uh, the important Blue Zones, which we talked about in our last podcast, you know, the couple podcasts ago, they had those things. So, yeah, the movement, the food wasn't perfect. Their movement is they didn't go to the gym, but they lived without cancer, without these common diseases. And it, his, what he found, again, just like in the Blue Zones, the fascinating part was most of it was due to mindset and less to do with the physical. Mm, wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. Interesting. It's, you know, we, we, we don't, th- I guess it's because of marketing, conditioning. We just think exercise, food, exercise, food, which is very important. But if you don't have the other part together, the emotional side, uh, it's, you're, you're not going to be fully there. And that's going to, yeah. that's going to bring, you could be the healthiest person on the planet. And I think this is what we're talking about here. If you're dealing with lots of stress or negativity, depression, yeah. whatever it might be, uh, yeah. that's going to put you at risk. No matter what. Right, right. Mm. You know, that's emotional intelligence is the feeling mind or the part of the mind that helps you identify and imagine and manage emotions, right? So your EI, your emotional intelligence, increases self-awareness and self-connection. There are four components to it. You have to be able to recognize your emotion, understand the emotion, regulate the emotion, which is where we really get into trouble, and then express the emotion. For emotional intelligence, so we don't reach for the food, that's one of the things we help. We, how do I recognize my emotions? Because some people can't even identify them, right? I'm angry, and I'm so mad today, I'm just pissed. That's all they ever say, but actually they're confused. They feel disconnected. They, they're grieving. They're angry. They're aggressive. They feel alienated. They feel whatever. There's other emotions involved. So if you can recognize it, then you can understand it. Okay, why do I feel this way? Oh, because of this. Oh, okay. How do I regulate this? What can I do? 
other than going for that bag of chips, when I feel this, what can I do? And that's where the health coach, I think, is just <laughs> priceless because we give you a million ideas and then you play with them and then we feedback, we go back and forth and we determine what is it, what can you do to really switch up that food source for a healthy emotional choice. Is there a time that you should stop eating? You know, uh, fasting, there's uh, three things to really kick yourself, uh, your or your um, ATP, that's the energy in your cells. Like. So it's the good old um, cold showers, right? You know, shocking, anything that shocks you. So a cold shower. Hmm. Um, uh, fasting is another one. So when you say stop eating, if you can fast for 12 hours, boy, oh, boy, what a huge first step for health. So if you go to bed at 7, you don't eat till 7 the next day. You go to bed at 9, and you stop eating at 9, you don't eat until 9 the next day. So it's, it's obviously, I like to think of you eat. Uh, uh, Barbara O'Neill, she's always, I, I, I love her. So you eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, and dinner like a pauper, right? Hmm. And then if you can fast, boy, just even 12 hours from 7 to 7 or whatever, that, that's a big, big start. Because a lot of people go to bed at midnight, 11 o'clock at night, they eat a little something, and then they're up at 7 o'clock, and they're already eating again. They haven't even, they, they've, gone, they've gone, what, 7, 8 hours. And, and so that that's a so to say you should stop eating at a certain time I, I wouldn't say that for somebody okay I think it's too generalized it depends on what your schedule is what your work cycle is but I would say again breakfast like a king lunch like a queen and and and, and then that dinner like a popper and try to get 12 hours if you can at night if you so let's look at this let's say you go to bed at yeah. 11. And yeah. you're not going to eat until the 11 a.m. the next day. That'd be your 12 hours, which yep. yeah, I think it's kind of reasonable um, yep. for most of us. But you said eat breakfast like a king. Would that 11 a.m. be your be your breakfast? King. Yep. I'm sorry, king. Yeah, that you're going to yeah. eat, eat. You're going to eat like a king at that moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, in a perfect world, and this is something that this is a whole other show. But going to bed at 11 o'clock, right? Um, gosh, I'm, we're going to have to do, maybe we'll have to talk about this next week, <laughs> but they have, uh, there are certain things that happen in the body when you go to bed at certain times. So if you don't go to bed till 11, 12 at night, there's things like brain dumping that doesn't happen. There's, um, uh, different systems that have to release and let go of, and that happens pre, um, when you first kind of go to bed in the early hours. And if you go to bed real, real late in the night, it just doesn't happen. It's amazing to me that it doesn't. And I don't really understand that, even though I've read everything they have on it. It's fascinating to me. But there's so much science behind that. And so that's a whole other thing. You know, so trying to get yourself to where you're sleeping closer to your, you know, the sun rising, sun setting type of a deal. But if you can, if you go to bed at 11 o'clock, if you can scoot it back just a little bit, you know, if that works for you and your schedule and how your life works and all that, it, it's challenging because some people don't get home, God bless them, till 7, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> you want to have a couple hours of life, you know. Um, With the fasting, is that is that something you should do every day? Like if you can get into a rhythm where, let's say, 
Well, let's look at it this way. Before I even go there, yeah. let's yeah. say you have dinner at 6 p.m. Yeah. If you don't have a snack before bed or, you know, let's call it like by 8 p.m., 9 p.m., yep. that is your 12 hours at 6 a.m. the next morning, correct? Yeah. Okay. You're good. All right. So, I mean, you can eat a nice, you know, have your dinner 6, 7 o'clock at night. And even if you grab something at 8 o'clock, at 8.30, and you grab something else, okay, so then, then you don't eat at 8.30 the next morning. It's not, it, it's doable. And it, yeah. and I'm not prescribing this, but I'm. everyone needs to check with their own doctor and make sure that that's healthy for them. But it's very, uh, it's a simple, simple way to really do a big boost. Like I said, the, shower, the cold showers, that. Um, that fasting and then hit where you make your body really hard, work out really hard for, you know, like one, two minutes and then you let it rest and then you do it again and let it rest. Kind of like if you were running for a tiger, like you're running and then you stop and you run and then you stop as opposed to running straight 30 minutes. Um, it, that, that hit, they call it H-I-I-T, it's a type of workout that's super good for the uh, ATP and that energy in us. And I, oh. I believe those are the best workouts I ever had when I'm on the treadmill and I really crank it up for like two minutes. I mean, yeah. really go and then rest yeah. for 30 seconds, then back to it, yeah. then rest, back and forth, back and forth. Guess you're kind of doing the same thing with your, with fasting, you know, you're right. kind of like a shock I'm to done. the system. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. It's that shock. And that's why with that cold shower, you know, I, I just can't get into the cold shower yet. It's, it's something I've been working on. But I do my head. So when I'm all done, I rinse just my conditioner and I just stick my head and I put all cold water and just because it's a good start. And boy, it's shocking. And mm-hmm. um, but again, those shocking kind of treatments of cold therapies, you know, cold plunges. I'm sure you oh, heard yeah. it down that type of thing. So those are all tools to to help us. And and again, the, the major and I think the most important is really getting that emotional intelligence. And making sure that you can recognize your emotions, understand your emotions, regulate them, and be able to express them so that you're not running to grab food sources to make you, to help you cope and instead grab something that's super helpful for you. Basically, it comes back to your awareness and your mindset. So many of us, I think, don't even know that we're grabbing something to eat. So that's, that's part of it. And, and we're also habitual. So yeah, I'm used to the hot shower in the morning. All right, change it up. We're not really accustomed to change, but if you got used to cranking cold water first thing, it'd be like, "Eh, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's only uncomfortable for, you know, three seconds and then, and then you're good. Right. And see what's so great, for example, for the cold shower, boy, you get on and you can take your hot shower, you do your whole thing at the very end, just turn it on and start with 10 seconds. You know, one, two, and you're, you know, and you're breathing and gas, and that's the key. If you mm. can get to a space where you have that full water on, and you can go from that gasping to, would you say, the, would you say that the cold shower you need to you need to start with the hotter water, then go cold, or can you yes. just okay? So you can't. Yes. You can do either. It's, okay. I don't. I don't know. I'm not a professional of cold therapy, but I. I, what, how I like to do it is I just do my cold shower or my hot shower. I get everything done. I put conditioner in my hair. And when I'm all done, I turn it on cold and I stick my head under. You could stick your whole, whole body under. Just for just as long as you feel like you can talk and go start small. 
start with three seconds. I'm doing it for three seconds. I'm going to do that for a week. And then next week I'm going to do it for 10 seconds and, and build up to where you can stand in there for, you know, a minute. And then again, the key is when that, your breath, you'll notice it. Just like if you jump in a cold lake, you know, it, it, you're, that's the shock. And then you regulate it. You mentally regulate it. So powerful for the brain. And then it, 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 it gets that body in alignment. It's just, it's just a powerful, powerful tool. It's doable and cheap. <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, I've done this before. I've been in a hot tub and then jumped in a regular pool. And yeah. the pool's probably about the same amount, you know, temperature-wise. It was probably, you know, upper 70s around there. Um, yeah. It was a big difference. <laughs> so, yeah. It's shocking for sure. Uh, I went yeah. to a, a Japanese, oh, in, in Hawaii, um, a, oh, unbelievable place. You went in and they had, you know, the cooling water and these big stone you know tubs that you went into and uh and then they have the hot one and the sauna and they first you go in and you exfoliate your whole body you jump you go into the hot one you just get all hot then you jump into cold then you go back in the hot it's just really amazing and and boy but boy you feel like a million dollars when you're done (laughs) yeah oh yeah and and i know people that do the cold therapy where they have a tank i actually know somebody that took an old refrigerator turned it sideways, fills it up with cold water, ice, everything, Brilliant. and they hit that like two or three times a week. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, don't know if I could do it, but you know what? I, I never say never anymore because That's right. <laughs> you, you never know. That's right. So if somebody wants to learn more of these tips about emotional leading, psychological leading, uh, and really, you know, really dig into their whole outlook on health. How does it begin with you? They go to your website and I, I guess you, you get a feel for them. You get uh, what their yeah. goals are. And I'm, I'm guessing too, it can be pretty quick because you've been doing this quite some time and uh, you can spot <laughs> what we're all going yeah. through. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I have a, you go to my website, Debbie Ropo, D E B B I E R O P P O healthcoach.com. And they're, um, is if you're on your phone, there's a little uh, area, you know, the little hamburgers, the three lines. You click on it, and there's a place there for a consultation call. And you click on that. My calendar's on there for my consultation calls. You just click on it, schedule at your convenience. We sit for 30 minutes. I talk to you about where your health is, where you want your health to be. And if, if I have the ability to support you, then um, I will let you know that. And if I don't, I will also let you know that because part of my job is really making sure that people get to the health person they need. And, and that's really important. So, and that's what we do. We go through it. And then if we work together, it's a powerful, powerful time. It's the greatest gift I've ever um, given myself is to follow my passion for health. It's what I live and breathe. This is what I do for entertainment. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and it, it, it's beautiful. I also want to put in, uh, put this out there that you are nationally board certified as a health and wellness coach. And there are over 200,000 health coaches in the U.S., but less than 9,000 are board certified. So right. it truly makes a difference. You've taken the extra steps to get that done to make sure that uh, you've got all the info, all the credentials. And I kind of chuckled a moment ago when you were 
describing the uh, mobile menu, and you said the three little lines, and it's a hamburger. Uh, hamburger, yeah. And, and we're talking about food. But you know what? It is actually called a hamburger menu because it looks like a hamburger. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. Gabby, always great talking with you and love all the details. This is, it's almost as if you are the mirror exposing all of us what we're doing. We don't even know we're doing it. I won't even admit to you what I ate last night at uh, (laughs) about midnight. And uh, I'm going to admit it was, it was emotionally, I'm not even going to kid you here. It was emotionally connected. It was. There's no doubt. Well, bravo you, Steve, for even being able to admit it. Oh, I I, I admit it. It was, uh, yeah, it was one of those evenings. So I was like, ah, you know what? And I found myself just saying, I'm going to have a little bit of this. Yeah, I'll I'll grab that. You know what? The heck with it. I'm going to grab that too. I was eating tomato sauce, okay, (laughs) at one point. (laughs) Because it was like, I wonder what that tastes like just by itself. But yeah, we need to recognize it and take care of it. DebbieRopoHealthCoach.com. Debbie, thanks so much for being with us today. Yes. Thank you, Steve. We'll be right back. Bye. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. That's Diploma to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council.